taking a little bit longer than it probably should. All right, I think we're good. Yeah, I think we're good. Very good evening, everybody. Uh, very good Tuesday evening, everybody. Welcome to the third episode of the Ben Bond podcast. I'm just double checking is everything all good? Audio, video, how are we looking? Let me just double check. I'll double check on my system actually. Make sure that it's streaming pretty good because on the update it looks absolutely terrible. But and that, I think the drop frames seem to be okay. Oh, yep, looks good. All right, very, very busy show tonight. Very busy. Um, we have got um, talking about my last week, so lots actually happened. What that you might be interested in. Um, uh, then we're going on to the topics. We've got a lot of topics this week. We've got a couple on Emirates, um, a couple on airlines and their social distancing policies, a couple on bankruptcies. Um, Delta's last MD80 and MD90 schedules have been announced. Well, some sort of announcing, some more speculation at the moment. Um, and then, who's the only airline still operating the A380? Um, and airlines operating a, Mel a Melbourne to London flight via some Middle Eastern port, and there might be a new competitor in the Australian aviation scene. Uh, and then I have um, four opinion pieces coming up uh, at the end of the show, and then question and answer, and then your questions at the end. Okay, starting with my last week. Um, quite busy in a way. Um, well, Thursday I had to, well, Wednesday morning, um, one of the biggest things happened, and that is uh, they cancelled Cosford 2020, which is Flotsam show. So I've now had to cancel my trip to the UK. I've been saying this the last couple of weeks, come on, come on, make it happen. But hand were forced, so I've had to cancel the trip to the UK, which is an absolute massive shame. Um, I don't really know what I'm going to do about that now. Get my money back and then just work out where I'm going to go after that. I don't think I'll be travelling anywhere. Next year, going to the UK might be a little bit tricky as well, in all fairness. But we'll uh, we'll see how we go. We will see how we go. Um, yeah, but this is what it is, mate. It was definitely on the cards, so... Yeah, welcome to uh, the cancellation of uh, the 2020 trip. Um, hopefully, I can rebook it for next year. Hopefully, but who knows? Who knows what's going to happen over the next year? That will lead into something I'll talk about a bit later on. Um, and uh, we'll tell you a little bit of a story. So, I uh, did that on Thursday. I cancelled the trip. Um, on Sunday, I finished work. I was about halfway home from work, and then I felt very, very ordinary. Like, very lousy, and a bit of a headache, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then, after that, um, then, yeah, went to bed, woke up, had dinner. I could have dinner, which was good. And then, about, maybe, and then I woke up about quarter to twelve? At Sunday night, and I was uncontrollably shaking. I was nauseous and I was uncontrollably shaking. I did that happened for about forty-five minutes, um, and then I didn't get back to sleep. And that was just really, really hot. I was in bed. I was just really, really hot. Um, like had the covers on me, and it was burning. Like um, it was very uncomfortable. Like you'd be under there for fifteen seconds, and you'd start to sweat profusely. And then I, I didn't get out again to bed till about 4 a.m. and then woke up an hour later and went back to bed for about two hours. Um, Belle was very nauseous all day yesterday. So I think either I've had something or I've eaten something or drank something I probably shouldn't have. And yeah, it could be picked up something or it could be food poisoning or something like that. So yeah, like. Well, that was very scary for a little while. It really was very, very scary for a little while. Um, especially when I was uncontrollably shaking. I did not know if any nurses are in the uh, are around. You could tell me about that because I know I've got a couple of friends that are nurses. Um, 
and thank you for what you do as well. Happy International Nurses Day. Um, very much appreciative what you had to, what you do. Um, I've dealt some some really good nurses. I know a lot of nurses. I'm friends with a lot of nurses. So, yeah, very much um, appreciating what you do, especially what's been going on over the last uh, couple of months. Um, and all your hospital nurses, thankfully, I'm one of the lucky ones and you've never had to deal with me in my 23 and a half year existence. But Sunday, if in all fairness, if that shaking went on for another probably half an hour, an hour, I probably would have rang an ambulance and probably would have gone up to Lismore Base. So I was very close to actually um, uh, going to hospital on Sunday night as well. I didn't, and I'm feeling better. But uh, yesterday was a nightmare. I was just nauseous all day. I was, uh, yeah, yeah, some sort of either food poisoning or just, yeah, some sort, something that made me feel really, really ill. So, yeah, been an interesting last couple of days. So I'm still, so I'm just getting over the other side of whatever that was. I think we'll all call it, call it food poisoning, but we'll see what happens. Um, so, yeah, that's my week. Yeah, I didn't expect to be coming home Sunday Arvo and almost, and then dropping off the cliff halfway home. Oh, it was horrible. It really was horrible, by the way. All right. So, yeah, that's enough about my week. Um, moving on. Um, starting this evening with Emirates and Sir Tim Clark and his um, uh, prediction that the Airbus A380 and the Boeing 747 era is officially finished. Now, this doesn't shouldn't come as much of a surprise to anybody. Now, um, Emirates President Sir Tim Clark believes the industry's two largest aircrafts, the 380 and the 747, are over in the wake of the coronavirus disaster. Yeah, that makes sense. And the weird thing about this is, this is coming from a man who's ordered 125 of the things. And the reason why he's ordered 125 of the things is because Emirates can fill them. They can fill them, they can put them on medium haul routes, like London's and all those sort of routes. Uh, London's, Paris's, Frankfurt's, where they make money. Emirates is the only airline that has the A380 and makes money. But that's Tim Clark pretty much coming out and saying he's actually retired. He actually retires at the end of this month as well um, from his position as president of Emirates. Um, he's saying that um, em he's saying that he probably doesn't believe Emirates will ever make a profit with the 380 again, or in the short term anyway, in the next couple of years, which is well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's because um, because. The demand is going to be so low, and it comes onto an opinion piece I'm going to speak later, so I don't really want to ruin all the opinion pieces I'm going to say later. But, I... But, yeah, the the quadjet was dying before this. It's probably going to be wiped out after this. The 747... You... The 400 passenger variant might be gone before the end of this. BA might even get rid of them. BA was the last real hold of a keep seven fours. BA might be getting rid of them, and that's that's it. Uh, the Dash Eight variants, which are flying with Korean um, uh, Lufthansa and Air China, we'll see. We will see. It depends how they kick back. But Emirates, they've invested so much in the A three eighty, and now it's uh, going to blow up in their face. Emirates really do think, Where, especially when they um. But, in all fairness, the more fuel-efficient small aircraft, like the 350, the 787, the 777, um, are much better for this. Um, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, demand in bigger aircraft... Well, as I've just... I've, well, it is the thing. I just watched a video about five minutes ago saying that the A321XLR is the future of air travel. I really do think it... I sadly think that that's probably correct. The 321XLR is such a good aircraft. It's so good on what it does, which is um, 
which is going to be lowish demand um, but needs for high efficiency routing. Um, I can't I can't think off the top of my mind what sort of maybe like a Philadelphia Dublin. So well, the three twenty one XLR is going to compete where the seven fifty seven was pretty much. That's pretty much where it's going to compete in, and um, yeah. So pretty much port any 757 routes over to a 321XLR. It's, but I think 321XLR is probably technologically going to, and, and fuel efficiency and range-wise, going to end up being a better aircraft than the um, uh, 757 ever was. But 757 looked better. Now, no one can uh, complain that the uh, flying pencil was definitely unique. Um, yeah, you can't fly... Here's what um, quote from um, Tim Clark. You can't fly from Dubai to San Francisco on a 737 non-stop, but you can on a 787, and you can on an A350, and very comfortably. And that's the thing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, before the before COVID-19, Emirates, airlines were planning on keeping their, well, 15-year-old, so 2008, 2009, uh, 3As in their fleet. So Qantas still have um, Nancy Bedwalton. I've personally flown on Nancy Bedwalton. Um, I've heard of a lot of Qantas cabin crews actually told me that that's actually a haunted aircraft now after what happened back in 2010, but I flew on it for 15 hours and didn't really, didn't really scare me. Good thing I only learned that after I flew on it. Um, and EDA, uh, the first ever Emirates A380 is still operating. But we'll see what that's like after this. But I think the 380 be quite, it might be going. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so he's, yeah, so that's pretty much that. Um, along with that, Emirates are saying that they are going to be potentially, um, delaying their premium economy, which was going to be installed in their 777 aircraft. Uh, they've never done a premium economy cabin. Believe it or not, they've never ever done a premium economy cabin, Emirates. Um, but yes, um, but... Again, through everything that's happening, um, and it was also 380s as well. They were also going to put them on 380s, but, um, but then, yeah, but thanks to everything that's happened, it is probably going to be, um, uh, delayed for a while. Um, yeah, defer probably to 2021, if not 2022. We were meant to see it in the second half of this year. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna. Yeah, I think we're going to be deferring it. Yeah, so then that's what they're saying as well. All right. All right. Next, we'll see if I need to actually show you these documents. So, Qantas is working towards in-flight um, social distancing exemptions. Um, now, assuming you can find a flight. One out. One of the few upsides of flying in recent months has been the middle empty seat. Yeah, which is what we have to do. We've our skies in Bauna, We're limited to 126 passengers on an aircraft. By the way, we put 124 on on Sunday, so we're doing. We're nearly filling up an aircraft already. Um, and those aircraft can take 180. By the way, the 320. Um, yeah, but for airlines, it isn't. Yeah, so Qantas is wanting to. Yeah, wanting to fill the aircraft. They want to try and get an exemption where they can fill the aircraft. We'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Qantas after this are choosing, even for their mainline fleet, of having potentially $19 airfares after this, which would be absolutely insane, actually. Um, yeah, but Qantas want to fill their aircraft because, well, then if they can't, prices go up. Demand will probably go up at some stage, and yeah. But in all fairness, social distancing on aircraft really, don't admit, doesn't really exist, unless it's a suit, unless it is a three eighty or a triple seven or a three fifty or potentially a three thirty or a seven eight. Social distancing on a narrow body jet just doesn't really exist. But yeah, Qantas, has, but that's the same thing about Qantas. Is just like any airline, they're they're um. Their hygiene and um, 
their hygiene and uh, uh, cleaning and measures are pretty good already, so we'll see how they get along with that. But United have also said they will not guarantee social distancing on flights. Um, yeah, so, um, what was I going to say? Uh, what's the sound? Um, yeah, so they're pretty much in the same boat. Like, they want to, airlines need to fill planes to make money. It is as simple as that. Um, with this, airlines, actually, I really hate to say this. I'm actually not going to put it this way, but it was about 20 years ago where airlines would... Actually, I'm not even going to say it. No, it's a bit too controversial. But um, but this isn't the first time that airlines would put profit over health or safety. Um, they did it back in the 80s and 90s all the time. All the time. There's Just look at 15, 20 separate accidents in the 70s, 80s and 90s. Um, but I'm not saying that's the reason, but especially in America, and the way America's being run right now, it's very, very, this is a very, very scary thing. I wouldn't be, in America, I'd be staying at home. I wouldn't be going anywhere in America right now. Um, it just shows how lucky you are to be here, but, um, yeah, but, yeah, United... Uh, is not adhering to sleep blocking, but all US airlines is uh, doing face masks. you got to have a face mask really pretty much down to any airport in America at the moment. So there's this, that, and the other pretty much. But uh, United are definitely another one of those carriers that really do not want to... Um, really do not want to uh, only run at 60%. Qantas want to try and get an exemption so they don't have to run at 60% capacity. Um, but that's the thing. We'll see how we go. We'll see how we go with that. Now, here's a big one. Second, uh, third, technically the third casualty of um, COVID-19 uh, on Saturday was Avianca, the uh, Colombian air carrier, which now is El Salvador or... Costa Rica and a heap of other um, auxiliaries now, has filed for Chapter 11. Um, this is, it's the second time about in Aviacus history that they've filed for Chapter 11. They did it back in 96. Um, uh, but, so, Avianca have done it as a voluntary um, move, not a suggested move. This is to try and shore up their debts, make sure that they don't go further into um, an issue. But, um, yeah, as I say, this is not an insolvency proceeding, which Americans was on the brink of being insolvent. Um, not Well, not really insolvent, as in going away, but... Um, I'm not a bankruptcy law judge, but... Insolvency is insolvency, but it's solvent. Like, there are airlines, when they do go into bankruptcy, that are insolvent but solvent. Um, yeah. Avianca's operations will continue during and after Chapter 11, the airline. But, um, they're not flying at all at the moment, Avianca, so. And all their staff are pretty much on unpaid leave, so. Yeah. The airline has not gone bust. They've done it as a preemptive strike to make sure they don't go bust, pretty much. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we are sure that ch uh, Chapter 11 will allow us to execute our Avianca 2021 plan. We optimise our capital structure and our fleet with the government support, uh, which will be Government of Colombia. We will merge as better and more efficient airline that will operate for many years, said Enco Van Werf, who is the... Uh... Let me have a look. Who is? <laughs> I haven't done I haven't done this very well, have I? Uh, where is he? Oh, Avianca CEO, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so pr the procedure is used by most airlines in the US. American Airlines did it in 2011, famously. That was a very famous case. They nearly, they were pretty much five minutes away from doing it in 2003. And then the union said yes to their pay cuts, and, uh, yes, you can read enough about what storm happened after that. <clears throat> because then they, because then, yeah. 
that's a whole nother story. I could get on for that for about an hour. Read, um, but that's something you can, there's heaps of videos on it. You can read, um, if you want to know more about what happens with bankruptcy or running a company goes wrong, read 12 Years in Turbulence by, um, his name. <laughs> uh, read 12 Years in Turbulence or watch um, American Airlines Day in the Life for that. Um, Air Canada filed it in 2003. Delta and United have also used it. Uh, Delta was 2005 and United was right after 9-11. Um, and all these airlines have come back stronger after it. Yeah, Merrick, but American got bought out by US Airways so I don't know what American would have but same with United and again bought out by Continental yeah, United went into bankruptcy in 2009 or something like that as well. Don't get me... Yeah. Uh, and Delta was Northwest and a couple of other airlines. They... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, so... Yeah, it's... Uh, what happened? It launched its... Um, they got rid of their former owner and brought new light under the support of United Airlines, which is... Probably not the greatest move. Uh, you know, I'm not a massive fan of United. Never flown them. Never really want to fly them. Never good things about them. Bills moving at a cost at a one-off cost of 894 million after they did a new regional carrier, which was uh, uh, servicing their Brazilian market. Uh, so a 5.50 decrease in its earnings, um, and then had a massive decrease in shareholders. Um, uh, but they were going alright, and then, bang, now you hit, and that's it. Um, and that's the thing. If Avianca, Avianca probably won't go away after this. I'll be very surprised if they do, but then that's a monopoly. Then it's Latin. They're the only carrier left. And that could be a horrible monopoly, because that isn't just for us. That, for us, it's Australia. For them, it's Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Argentina... Yeah, these multinational airlines, that's one. There's, they're just, yeah, so there's no competition there at all. Um, and the other one is South African Airways is still operating. I don't know what's going on with this. They said that they were meant to um, uh, do restructuring where they'd be ditching the South African Airways name. But as far as they, they're still, sir, they're still going and they're still doing repatriation flights and they're still going out throughout the month of May now. Um, yeah, yeah, the airline was expected to cease operations, but it's still going, um, they're still getting repatriation flight requests, so they're still, so they're still going, picking up South Africans and bringing them home, and, um, yeah, there you go, well, so yeah, so they're still operating, oh, I don't know, this, it's getting weirder and weirder by the day. Yeah, but that's enough about bankruptcies for five minutes. Yeah, so SAA is still under operations when on May the 8th they were meant to cease operations for good. They're still flying and they've got um, an agreement through to the end of this month. Okay, Delta Airlines scheduling their last MD-80 and MD-90 flights. So this is pretty much exactly the same as what American Airlines did last year with the um, uh, with the uh, their last MD80s. Um, Delta Airlines timeline for re retiring its remaining MD80s and MD9 aircraft subject change, um, saying that they will take place on the second of June. Um, the final flights. Uh, the final flights. Uh, where were you? Yeah, so, so the final MDA flights will arrive on the 2nd of June from Hartford, Connecticut, Norfolk, Virginia, Pittsburgh, uh, Raleigh-Durham, uh, Richmond, Sarasota, and Washington, Dallas. All flights arrive in Atlanta before 9am. The final MDA arrives from Houston at uh, 8.58. And that's the end of the Mad Dog in America. Unless you have the 717, which I would not call... Which was originally called an MD-95, but it's called the... I don't know whether... It doesn't feel the same as the old rickety... But don't get me wrong, the last 717 I went on was a little bit rickety as well, so... Maybe? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. 
But yeah, very sad to see the pretty much the last what you'd call Mad Dogs Super 80s Super MDs leaving for good. And it's very sad actually, very very sad. So that'll be happening on the 2nd of June at the moment. Moving on. So, who is the only airline to continue flying the Airbus A380? Sadly, it's China Southern. <laughs> the Air yeah, while well, Emirates' massive fleets of A3As rest peacefully at airports around Dubai and British Airways park, uh, sit parked in France, a single China Southern A3A continues to fly, flying... Um, where are they flying them to? So they're flying them to Sydney. Of course they are. Um, it's been once per week to fly between Sydney and Guangzhou. Um... They've also been using it on once weekly services to Vancouver, Los Angeles, Amsterdam, and London. Um, so, yeah, so it's the only 380 in the world still flying. Um, apart from that, everything else is on the deck. And it's, yeah, it makes things very, very interesting. Um, but, yeah, I, I, but yeah, as, it's, as the conclusion says, I'm, we're all very surprised that it's. Operating at all. Like, where's the demand? But, like, all these countries, like, Chinese people can't get into these countries. But maybe taking people home, maybe taking them back to their, I don't know. But, yeah. But it could be cargo, which is another reason for them to operate the aircraft. But even then, China Southern, don't really, do they have, I don't think they do have 777s. So maybe the 380 might be the best cargo aircraft they might have. But, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's very weird. But it's good to see at least one flying. One of the big whales flying. Don't get me wrong, they're an ugly aircraft. But I admire the aircraft for the technology. But, jeez, does it look ugly. I've never liked the look of the 380. It's Yeah. But, technologically, it's marvellous. It really is a marvel. You you wouldn't know it's possible. Um, next story. Eddie had continue uh, launching Melbourne to London flights this week. Um, so flights into the UAE are technically resuming this week. Passenger services. Um, so they'll be launching direct flights from Melbourne to London with a stopover in Abu Dhabi. Um, uh, they've been closed for about a month. Uh, UAE's been closed for about a month uh, for incoming passengers, um, but the airline announced it would begin to fly UAE nationals and permanent residents to the country once more. Now the airline slowly looks to ramp up operations, launching its first connecting flight. The route is London to Melbourne via Abu Dhabi. The flight will mean passengers between the two cities now have a choice of Qatar Airways or Etihad. And it's the first connecting flight in over a month that Etihad's launched. Emirates, well, we just don't know about Emirates. Anyway, you can book these flights. Well, I don't think any of you guys are interested because I think all you guys are exactly where you need to be. So, yeah. So, Eddie had starting to get back on the ball. And so are the rest of us. And lastly, this is quite big news, actually. This only came out today. Um, Regional Express might be about to pull the rug out of both Virgin and Qantas. Launching to be the third major domestic carrier in Australia. Can this reveal this morning they plan to raise $200 million to lease 10 either Airbus 320s or um, 737s um, to operate routes between Sydney and Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, all those sort of big centres, which they've, which if you know anything about Regional Express, um, they don't usually fly between centres, they usually fly between, well, they usually fly out of centres to regionals. But, in all fairness, that could be a massive shot in the arm. If Rex can pull this off, they haven't, it's not a bad time, in all fairness. It's not a bad time to do this. If, if I'm to be fully honest with you, it's not a bad time to do this. Because, the aircraft costs to get them leased are super cheap right now um 
once it's all over, this could be a major shot in the arm. One for Australian aviation, especially with the way that we're going to have some competition in Australia. Um, hopefully, we'll have heaps of competition, which would be absolutely brilliant. And, um, yeah, hopefully after this, they can make it work. Here's the fact. Rex is the only airline in the world, before this, if it does happen, to own all of their aircraft. They own they have a fleet of 110 Saab 340s, and they own every single one of them. That's not right. They can't own 110 Saab 340s. Let me just have a look. That's not right. It says says on the um, article I'm reading that they own 110 aircraft. I think that is a whole... No, they own 57 aircraft. They own 57 aircraft. But they own every single one of those aircraft. Which is a massive thing because they don't... Because every other airline in the world leases at least some of their aircraft. Or most of their aircraft, actually. When you look at most airlines, they actually lease most of their aircraft. So, yeah. Yeah, so, there you go. This could actually be a major shot in the arm for Australian Aviation. Um, even if they can... They're looking at getting um, well, 10 aircraft and start to do that. Massive shot in the arm. Um, in all fairness, I don't think Virgin's are going to go away, but, yeah. More competition is never a bad thing. And, then, and we'll see how the demand's like after we um, get out of this. I think demand at the moment is actually quite high, so we'll see how we go. But I mean, demand's there. I will say demand is there. Um, Alright, now on to the opinion pieces. So it's me giving my opinion on certain topics. This isn't really a certain topic, this is me more... Well, this is me more speculating, but I do have a bit of information. So, return, estimated return for domestic, interstate, trans-Tasman and international. So, I think trans-Tasman... I think domestic... Well, domestic's already gone. But I expect to be back to at least 30% capacity by the middle of July. End of July. And then probably 10% more than that every single couple of weeks to a month. So we could be back up to 100%. Actually, 100% is very, very hard to see, but um, could be back up to 80 90%, hopefully by September or October. Um, interstate, well, interstate will come with that. Hopefully, that'll all be starting back up again in July or August as well. Um, Trans-Tasman hopefully can get Trans-Tasman flight started, but I'm going to say August at the absolute earliest for Trans-Tasman. August, maybe September. Um, and International will be... Well, here's... Here, let's put it this way. UK, be lucky by the end of the year. December at the earliest. December at the earliest, but more looking like January, maybe even February, March of next year. United States, 2020, at least July next year. Because the way the United States has botched this is horrific. Like, you hear Trump, and he's going on like an absolute lunatic. He doesn't know what he's doing. And I was just saying this earlier, he will probably go down as the worst president in history. Because of the way he's handled this. Um, he needs to really... So, yeah. You, and the way this is all going. US may not be visitable for... Until July next year. I think it might be July next year. At the earliest before... I Before US would start back up and be advisable to go to the US. So, yeah. So, there you go with that. Now, moving on. Second piece, I've got four opinion pieces, by the way. Not all of them are aviation. My first three are aviation. My last one's a little bit of a left-field topic, but topic I'm very, very passionate about. Um, so, I saw this piece in the project last night, done by Steve Price down at Melbourne Airport with Virgin, and we're all on JobKeeper. 
well, most of us in aviation are on JobKeeper right now. But the, some of us, like myself, who are still getting some work out of it, um, yeah, why are we working? We're on JobKeeper, we're on $1,308 a week, a fortnight, sorry. Um, why are we still going to work? Um, well, here's the reason. For me, it's something I have to do. For me personally, what they said is, they love their jobs too much. Aviation's passion. Once you're in it, you never want to get out of it. You'll never get out of it. Aviation is just such a passion. If you get into it, you get infected by the bug, you're in it forever. Once you get out of it, you won't be able to kick it. You'll want to get another job in the industry somewhere pretty pretty quickly. Um, which is why... I said this the other day. If it was possible, I'd get rid of the JobKeeper now and go back to work five days a week instead of having JobKeeper and working three hours a week or four hours a week, whatever I'm doing. I'm really only at work for three hours a week. Um, because... The guys I work with are amazing. Such a laugh. It's that connection sort of thing that we strive for. Um, yeah, it's like camaraderie. But it's also just the passion for it. Just why we love our jobs. Like, we love what we do. And we wouldn't give away anything that we would ever do, really. It's it's richly um, amazing. It's rewarding. It's all that sort of stuff. It's really, really good fun. So, the reason why we're not making money at the moment, but we get, we're getting, but no matter what, we're going to get paid. And that's the most important thing. We're surviving, we're doing fine. As I say, we're the lucky ones. We really are the lucky ones. We're in the lucky country. We've got this supplement. We're lucky people in the lucky country where we are still getting paid. We're still working, and we still do what we have to do. And we don't really have to worry about a lot of things right now. And, yeah, all we have to worry about is the isolation and being away from friends and stuff like that, which takes its toll, but it is what it is. <laughs> but, yeah, base of the story, we love our work, and no matter what, we will not turn on it. Any shifts we get, we will happily take and we will happily go to work. Even knowing that we're not really making money out of it. But it's what it is. We're still getting paid at the end of the day, so... Yeah, and one thing I will say is my company's handled this extremely well. They've done an amazing job. Um, yeah. Yeah, they've looked after us amazingly, so I can't really say anything more about my company. But I'm very happy to be at work one day a week. And, um, yeah. Um, aviation landscape after COVID. This is the third point of mine. Um, I just don't know. I don't really know at the moment. For me, anyway, we're getting temperature checked as we walk in the terminal. That's about all we... And, and we got to use sanitizer as we go into the terminal. Uh, apart from that, that's pretty much all that it is at the moment. But I expect... Um, well, it depends. It's weird. It depends where you are in the world. It depends whether you're in Australia, whether in, you're in America, Europe. Well, the first big thing is d demand. It all comes back to demand. Um, demand won't, will, domestic travel in Australia, I think demand will increase quite steadily. International air travel will, as I said earlier, we, it won't happen for a while, just to begin with. And even then, it's up to who wants to travel overseas. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to look very different. Um, social distancing will have to take place, but I, I just don't get what a lot of airlines really wanting to do that because they're losing revenue when, in seats that they could be selling. They're putting on more flights because they got the demand but then they're not filling out the flights, so they're not making much money off those... They're sort of losing money on flights. Um, so, but yeah, I think as long as we don't have a vaccine, we're going to have to social distance on aircraft, social distance in terminals, um, be very wary going through security. 
um, possibly temperature checks, masks, sanitizing, all that sort of stuff. In all fairness, the landscape after COVID is going to be very weird. I still think it's going to be very, very um, light on for a while. As I was saying, there's not going to be a lot of movement for a while, but it is what it is. And we'll see how we go after that. But at the end of the day, it's um, the aviation industry is going to be uh, looking very different at the end of it. Um, a lot of planes will be gone. Um, and only essential routes will be starting back up immediately, and, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I, in all fairness, with that opinion piece, I, it's a very hard one to make an opinion, because you really don't know. You really don't know what's going to be like until you're actually there. Now, the fourth one is not aviation related. The fourth one is definitely an opinion piece, and, um, so it's, I was having to talk to one of my workmates about it the other week. Um, so, my thoughts on the radio industry. Uh, jeez, here we go. And actually, one of my mates sent me a message about it after, um, after, um, Mr. Um, Alan Jones retired today, so maybe a spot wide open on 2GB. Now, don't get me started on 2GB. I am definitely not one of their target audience. I don't like listening talk back. I didn't like Alan Jones very much, in all fairness. Um, and am I a political person? Well, in all fairness, look at... I was watching um, Sky News on uh, last Friday night about the restrictions and the way the state premiers are botching that and thinking to myself, I'm getting quite rolled up over that. But, and but no, nah, I'm not political. No, nah, I couldn't work on TGB. No, thank you. But that's not my point. Um, uh, now, in Australia, it's a mess. It really is a mess. So when I was living in Sydney, I used to listen to uh, Today FM. When I was listening in, when I was living in Sydney. Um, a bit of Nova. And that would be really about it. Um, up here, well, Hot Tomato, but... Yeah, not really Hot Tomato anymore. Um... Yeah, it, it depends on what. Well, I don't really listen to much radio anyway anymore. I don't really get a chance. But um, but yeah, Hot Tomato um is probably the best made run station in Australia. I've, and they are number one at the Gold Coast, and they deserve what they've got there. Now here's where here's where stations have gone so wrong. First, ABC. ABC Local, well, I'm not their target audience. I'm not going to complain a bit the way they run their station, but I'm not their target audience. One thing I will complain about, though, and this will be very unpopular to my base, is Triple J. I despise Triple J. I listen to Triple J one, or in this case, because it was the end of the decade, two days a year. And they were on Hottest 100 days. Yeah. And the reason why that is the case is that, well, Hottest 100 is the countdown, but it's also good to see, uh, they, the, uh, there hasn't been a good, proper Hottest 100 in years. But it just shows that the people who listen to Triple J are just a bit backward. Um, you know what I mean? It's... I don't like Triple J. I don't like the presenters. Their presenters are... This is one thing I complain about with a lot of radio stations, especially in Australia, that their presenters are one-dimensional. They've got no personality. They cannot present a radio show to save their life. And just this, that, and the other. It's horrible. It really is horrible. Listening to Triple J is like... It's like listening to audible torture for about half an hour. It's just horrible. Um, I'll say I'm not a massive fan of their music. They don't play Top 40, so... Not to say I'm Top 40 is the only thing I listen to. I do quite like a lot of their indie stuff. Like, But Triple J is just a mishmash, and it's been very badly managed, and that's why their ratings are not very good, by the way. 
Their aims in all capital cities have not been good for a very, very long time. As I say, Triple J hasn't probably been very good for about 15 years, at least. At least since the mid-2000s. And it's just a mishmash. They are just terrible. But then, my local station, Triple Z, as I said, if I had $10 million, I'd go and buy them out. Because as a local radio station, doing this area, they are a disgrace. Absolute disgrace, Triple Z. They, their presenters suffer from the same problem. They are one-dimensional, they cannot entertain, but at the same time, with Triple Z, more than Triple J, I don't know if Triple J runs under the same philosophy as Radio 1, which I don't think they do, of give their personality, give the presenter a lot of personality. I know Triple Z's a commercial station, but the managers don't give um, their presenters a lot of leeway. But, jeez, are they bad at what they do. Like, I'm not going to have a go at Callum Bell. We'll have a go at Callum. He is shocking. He is, has no personality at all. Sounds... N he just does not do any justice to what he says on, on air. But they also don't give him time to really get a viewpoint across or get any sort of personality across. It's very, very interesting. Um, to say that, I just don't get it. It's horrible. It really is horrible. Um, as I said, I'd buy them out. I'd start again. Their ads are torturous to listen to. Their news is done by Super Network, which is mostly is riddled with errors. Their news readers can't talk, pretty much. They can't pronounce anything. It's just horrible. But then you go to the UK. Radio 1. BBC Radio 1. Now, let me get started on the BBC stations. Now, Radio 1, back in 2010, when they had Moyle, when their daytime lineup was Dev, Moyles, Fern Cotton, um, Greg James, Scott Mills. And then, well, and then their nighttime lineup had people like Zane Lowe. Um, well, let me just, yeah, Zane Lowe, Annie Mack, who's still there, who's took over from Zane Lowe. Uh, um, sorry, what's his name? <laughs> sorry. Jeez, um, uh, I'm trying to think. Because uh, he's sell out. Um, Benji B's still there. He's really good. Um, but then also there are the weekend lineup as well with Vernon K, Sarah Cox, who's now Radio 2. Um, uh, Edith Bowman... All brilliant. Don't get me wrong, they're all brilliant. And then their jingles started getting away from them, their news started to get away from them, and that was the end of it. Now, Radio One's quite a painful lift station to listen to. And it's really, really a shame. Radio Two, well, Radio Two is the most listened to radio station in the UK. Aimed at adult contemporary. Can't really say too much about them. They do a good job. They st they've stuck to a pretty similar format. Um, but if I'd say my favourite radio presenter in the world, I'd say Chris Moyles would be probably up at number one um, of all time. I've got a lot of respect for Greg Jones uh, and Scott, Scott Mills as well. They're still both at Radio 1. Um... Fern Cotton was great. Uh, Dev is still at Radio 1. He's really good as well. Al's Levine, very good as well. Um, Zhang Lo is, when you're talking about a music man, Zhang Lo is probably the best DJ, music DJ in the world. Still is. Um, best music journalist in the world, for sure. I love Zhang Lo. And then, um, moving on from there, I have a lot of time for Lauren Laverne on Radio 6, BBC Radio 6 Music. I've got a lot of time for her. She's very, very witty. She's very, very smart. She's very, very good to listen to. Even though I don't really listen to her very often. But, yeah, she's very, very good. But then, yeah. But then all the X-Radio 1 station who's gone to, like, um, Global. So Radio X, Capital. Um, like, Westwood on... Um, 
Capital Extra, which is a urban station. Um, Miles on X, Miles and Dom. Still listen to them. Still listen to their podcast every week. Still listen to their radio show when I can. Absolutely brilliant. Still got that chemistry. It, they poached as many guys as they could from their old Radio 1 show. It was unbelievable. It still is a great show. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, so. Um, but don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of great people. But that's still my gold standard. There's a lot of radio stations that are in just horrid to listen to, though. And that's just my opinion on what is like that. But Radio's future, they've still got a future. Don't get me wrong. Radio stations still have a future. As long as they do things correctly, I think they'll be okay. But podcasting is one of those things and how you can get, like, satellite radio in the car or satellite or where you can just listen to stuff in the car now. So listening to radio is one of those things. If you don't have internet radio or digital radio, they are sadly becoming the future. And um, it's going to be one of those very, very difficult ones. Like, FM's still got a place, but, yeah, digital radio and... um, uh, in that radio is definitely where you need to be if you want to really make a game of this, which is where 90% radio stations are anyway. Triple Z isn't, and that's another one of their major flaws. But I'm not going to tell Super Radio Network how to run their station. Actually, I will. Actually, I will. And I've felt like for months writing to them and saying that they are literally horrible in their own way. But it is what it is. Is what it is, mate. Okay. Um, that's it. Any questions before we sign off? All good. So, that's my little rant for the night. Um, I thank you for being on tonight. I thank you for um, the... Thank you for watching, thank you for listening, um, and I will be back next week with the same same sort of ramblings as tonight, hopefully. Uh, thank you, and have a very good one.